When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In certain parts of Canada, you can't go out to a dinner party without the subject of real estate and housing prices coming up. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I look at what the Bank of Canada's decision to raise interest rates means for the housing market and for the economy in general. Many people think that we're entering a period of rising interest rates, perhaps for the first time in decades. If this is true, it could mean a lot for the housing market, for inflation, and for the economy in general. But like anything, it's debated. This week, I compiled some reporting and interviewed two guests, Tu Nguyen, an economist for RSM Canada, one of the largest audit and professional service firms in the country, and Jason Del Vicario, a portfolio manager for Hillside Wealth, an investment fund with $200 million in assets under management. As always, the show's interviews are edited for clarity and brevity. I asked my first guest, Tu Nguyen, the economist, if she could explain in simple terms how raising interest rates affects housing prices. So by raising interest rates, the bank makes it a lot more expensive for businesses as well as consumers to borrow money. You know, when borrowing gets more expensive, businesses and consumers will think twice before taking out loans, before perhaps buying a house. And, you know, the cure for high prices is high prices. So when everything is more expensive, uh, businesses and consumers will pull back on their consumption and when demand lowers, then prices also stop rising as fast as they are right now. Okay, so all good. The cure for higher prices is higher prices. If something's too expensive, people stop buying it. And this could happen to houses and condos if interest rates rise too much. But just to be clear, so far, the Bank of Canada has only raised the overnight policy rate by 25 basis points. That's a quarter of a percentage point. And the overall rate was very low to begin with, so it's still at just 0.5%, which again, is very low. Really, probably not enough to make much of a difference on most people's mortgages. I think it's absolutely fair to say that 25 basis points are not enough. But it's important to remember that this is not the only rate high that the bank would implement, right? So this is just the first of a series of rate highs that we can expect in 2022 as well as 2023. And it also takes a long time, 18 to 24 months, for the bank's actions to permeate through the market and ripple through the economy. So after this series of rate hikes, we will see the housing market perhaps soften with borrowing getting more expensive, interest rates are higher, suddenly the mortgages are not so attractive anymore. So basically, if you're looking at the housing market from the outside and waiting for prices to drop, I think the takeaway is that rising interests could do this, but it may take a while. Of course, the Bank of Canada's decision to raise interest rates last week may be the first of a series of rate hikes. We just don't know yet. So the Bank of Canada's interest rate, I think a 2% interest rate by the end of 2022 is not out of the question. Uh, it might go further to 2.5, 2.75 into 2023. But again, that is not something I think that the bank knows exactly where they're going to end up at this moment because there's just so many moving pieces and so much uncertainty surrounding us right now. Having said that, right, like 2.75 is not out of the question. That was the interest rate in 
not too distant past. Yeah, and those are still low interest rates by historical standards, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's fair to say that that is not out of the question. For the record, the big banks in Canada are predicting much the same thing, about three or four rate hikes this year, and then probably some more in 2023. The Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem gave some credence to this idea in a speech last week, not long after the bank raised rates by 25 basis points, in which Macklem basically said, there's ample room to go higher. But maybe even somewhat counterintuitively, at least initially, the first 25 basis point rate hike could actually make home prices go up, according to Nguyen. So there are two populations of home buyers that I think we need to look at. The first subpopulation, I guess, is people who are looking to buy a home. And we are seeing a lot of them trying to take into account the interest rate and the rate hikes. If they haven't bought one already, possible that in the upcoming months, either they would try to rush in in order to get in before the rates become too too high, right? The Russian, yeah. Exactly. And for people who already bought, now this is an interesting conversation and a topic that extends, I think, beyond the, what the Bank of Canada does and the interest rates. Now, throughout the pandemic, a lot of people bought, I think it's fair to say, in a panic without even seeing the home in person before they signed the papers. For every listing, there were dozens and dozens, hundreds of thousand dollars above asking prices. Depending on the city, of course, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's safe to say that some of these buyers probably bought more than they could comfortably afford. So now when the rates are going up, if they didn't lock in the rates by January 2022, it's possible that their mortgage payments are now going to get a lot more expensive and unaffordable. Some people are spending 50% of their income on their mortgages. That is going to cause a stretch for a lot of households. Okay, so let's just go over the facts one more time. The Bank of Canada's rate is currently at 0.5%. And the banks that give you your mortgage charge a little bit more than this usually. So I did some math. Say you bought a condo or a house in the last few years and you locked in a 2% interest rate. If that property costs $500,000, which again may or may not be realistic depending where you live, but if you put down 20%, you would pay about $2,100 a month. Now, if interest rates keep rising and instead of 2%, say you pay 4.5%. So you go from 2% interest to 4.5% interest. The monthly payment that you make on that same mortgage goes up 30% to $2,770. That's about an extra $670 per month. That may not be so easy to afford for a person spending more than 50% of their income on housing. But there are other reasons interest rates are going up. If you think back to the beginning of the pandemic, people stopped going out to eat and stopped seeing concerts and consumer spending shifted from those kind of services to durable goods. People bought flat-screen TVs and exercise bikes. At the same time, factories shut down because of the pandemic, and a gap opened up between the available supply of goods and the demand for them. And the whole thing just kind of snowballed and led to inflation, which is a key reason for the interest rate hikes. Yeah, so inflation and the supply chain disruptions that caused it, I think we can say that it's no longer a snowball. I think we're in an avalanche now. Because <laughs> we had the pandemic happen with all the events that you described, right? With people staying home, ordering more goods instead of services. When you add to that the border protests that we had recently that shut down the U.S.-Canada border for a couple of weeks, and then we have intensifying geopolitical situations that will only add to the already strained supply chain. And as a result, inflation is now going on for much longer than we expected. 
Now, the Bank of Canada raising interest rate is going to help somewhat by signaling that they are willing to take action to target inflation. But the bank can do little to address supply chain challenges as well as the oil prices. So we are going to see high inflation at least throughout 2022. Throughout this show, I've heard many people say something similar, that inflation started off, people thought it was just going to be a sort of whiplash effect from the pandemic, the gap between supply and demand. But then things got out of control. Ports got congested. Ships got stuck in various different canals. There were border protests. But the thinking is that in the same way that raising interest rates helps lower housing prices by making homes more expensive and lessening demand, it could help dampen demand for goods and help bring supply and demand back into balance. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. The easiest way to think about inflation is the consumer price index, which measures the prices of a basket of consumer goods. And if you look at a chart of the year-over-year increases, basically it's been rising since May of 2020, and it hasn't looked this way since the late 1980s. A few weeks ago, I talked to former Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Polaz about this, and he pointed out prices dropped at the very beginning of the pandemic, which is one reason why inflation looks really bad now. Still, he said inflation is an issue that could become more of a problem if it doesn't go away. What I wanted to know is, if raising interest rates is our main way of fighting this, I wanted to know how high interest rates could go. 20 years ago, in 2001, the bank's overnight policy rate was 5.75% much higher than it is today. One interesting thing that Stephen Polaz told me is that interest rates have been almost zero for more than a decade now. And that means we all have a lot more debt, not just households and people buying homes, but corporations and the government. And around the world, this is true. Here's what Polaz said when I asked him how high rates could go. Honestly, the, the real answer to that is to be humble and, and to say we, we just don't know. Um, the economy is changing as we speak about it. Uh, We don't know if it is more sensitive to interest rate movements than it was before. My guess is that it may be because of the increase in debt that we've seen through this. So it means that any any interest rate move has a a larger impact on cash flows, whether you're a household or a company. Um, And so that means it can have a different, uh, different impact. That's one thing. Uh, first stage, though, is kind of what we call normalization. You know, rates need to find their way to where they're no longer stimulating the economy. And frankly, we don't even know rough where that is. It's kind of expressed as a range as around, you know, sort of uh, 2 to 2.5%, we think might be the neutral range for interest rates. But there are lots of uh, times in history where it hasn't been like that and for various reasons. So I think it's one of these cases where you have to kind of feel your way. And um, a lot of folks think of this as a mechanical thing. Um, there's a very specific place you must go to become neutral and, and for inflation pressures to, to ease. And in fact, though, it's, it's not an exact address. It's more like a neighborhood. And, you know, when you get back to your old neighborhood, you start to recognize it long before you get to the actual housing. And if you're in a a traffic jam, you say to the taxi, look, drop me here because I know I can walk from here. It's that sense of you'll know when you're in in roughly the right place. Uh, to be to be candid, we, we don't know if interest rates may need to go a little higher than that or stay short of that. I don't think anybody knows this. 
I've characterized it as not stepping onto an escalator. It's more like you're walking up a flight of stairs and you stop every couple of steps to look around and make sure you know where you are and and getting comfortable catching your breath, so to speak. And that's what data dependence kind of looks like. So basically, low interest rates stimulate the economy. That's why we cut them after the financial crisis. And that's why we cut them at the beginning of the pandemic. But nobody knows where the natural interest rate should be so that they're neither stimulating the economy nor holding back growth. You just heard Polaz basically guess that the natural rate may be somewhere between 2 and 3%, but he added a strong caveat that he really doesn't know and doesn't think anyone knows. And here's another question that comes up then. What happens if the economy sputters a little in the next year? Will they still keep raising interest rates? The playbook forever now seems to have been when the economy gets into trouble, you cut interest rates to stimulate growth. I spoke to Jason Del Vicario, portfolio manager of Hillside Wealth in Vancouver, about this. Del Vicario takes a contrarian position that interest rates are going to stay low. And I asked him how he arrived at this decision, given what everyone else is saying about rising inflation and overheating housing markets and everything else. Sure. So uh, the factors that were in place prior to the pandemic, namely lower population growth, lower productivity gains, as well as technological advancements, coupled with the fact that the world is up to its eyeballs in debt, all of these factors point towards lower interest rates, not higher interest rates. Now, nothing goes up or down in a straight line. So interest rates, if you look from 1982 to today, have been generally in a downward trend where we're making lower highs and lower lows. And then we see spikes downs in in, in periods like 2008 and so on and so forth. So, you know, fast forward, we have the pandemic. We have a massive amount of stimulus that winds up into the hands of consumers. We have supply chain disruptions. And that, of course, inevitably leads to higher inflation. So does, you know, 0% interest rates. So, you know, those major factors that were in place prior to the pandemic, those are structural things. Those aren't things that change in a year or two. It's it's decades in the making. And so I think that we will continue to see uh, lower lows in interest rates, which I know means we probably get to negative at some point. And that's what leads us to to conclude that, you know, we might get a few rate rises here, but nothing like the market's predicting. And then we get back down. So, yeah, you might have heard him mention negative interest rates. A negative interest rate would basically mean if a central bank charged banks to store cash or if a bank charged you to store your cash, it's a policy that would, in theory, encourage more borrowing and investment. It may be a little confusing, but leaving that aside for a minute, basically, Del Vicario said he thinks rates could go up a little and go down. Reading between the lines, he was saying there are all these factors like declining population, declining productivity which basically necessitate that Canada use low interest rates to stimulate the economy. The thing is, inflation is rising. That's one of the key reasons why we're cutting interest rates. So I asked Jason what he thinks would happen if inflation doesn't come under control. If if we look prior to the pandemic, we had, um, you know, Japan, for example, is another great example because they're 20 to 30 years ahead of us in this in this game of low interest rates and low deflationary world. They've been trying to generate inflation in Japan for three decades and they can't do it. And in North America, even with interest rates near zero percent, we were having troubles getting inflation over one or two percent over the last 20 years. We've had this exogenous event where you know the, the the world economy in various various states was shut down because of covid and that has led to the the inflationary pressures uh, that we see today so assuming you know all of the government stimulus that was thrown at the various economies to to help 
uh, support during the pandemic. Assuming that's all gone, I mean, my understanding is the U.S. is having a very tough time pushing through another round of stimulus, and I think you know most other countries are going to be in the same boat. Um, you you then have to conclude, and assuming supply chains do normalize at some point, of course, the Ukrainian conflict is going to extend that a little further. But you have to assume we go back to those pre-COVID conditions, economic conditions, and you know, I just don't see that there's going to be a lot of inflationary pressures. Again, that's a contrarian take, but it's something that people out there are saying. I guess at the end of the day, no one can predict the future, but there does seem to be a growing consensus that interest rates are going to rise in the short term, say in the next 12 to 24 months. That, of course, could all change if there's a recession or something unexpected happens, which we all know is maybe even likely. For housing, that means in the short term, prices may continue to rise. But if rates go up enough, there's also a scenario under which housing prices could begin to cool off. At the end of the day, you all have to make your own judgment about what you think is going to happen with interest rates. But whether they go up or down, it's going to tell you something about inflation and about the state of our economy. That's this week's episode of Down to Business. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And a big thank you to all the guests, including Tu Nguyen, an economist at RSM Canada, Jason Del Vicario, portfolio manager at Hillside Wealth, and a special thanks to Stephen Polaz, the former Bank of Canada governor, now an advisor at the law firm Osler, who appeared on the show several weeks ago. Thanks also to Bryce Hall, who composed and performed the original music and produced this show, to Noella Ovid, Pamela Heaven, and Victoria Wells for web support, and all the editors at the Financial Post. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Down to Business. But until then, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.